0: Today I want to talk about covenant living. Um, I I am going to uh, give you because I know you're good disciples and you love to take notes. The notes that you have right there um, are just the briefest part of the introduction. And so the best notes I'm going to tell you where where to find them. If you have the U app, how many of you have U version on your phone somewhere somewhere? I'm going to show you how to use it in a way that you don't normally maybe uh, on Sunday mornings. But down at the bottom of the U app. There's a little section called more, and there are some three lines over top of that. And if you will click on the more and then click on the events tab, uh, the events tab, you'll see Lighthouse VA, and that's us. That's where you're sitting right now. And all of the notes that I'm going to be speaking from are right there in that app, okay? So some of y'all just got a revelation. What? Anyway, yeah. So, uh, so those are the notes that I preach from every Sunday morning, um, and they they go live usually about Thursday, and then they're live through. So you can you can if you want to know what the message is about, you can look at that message. It's right there and uh, look at what I've been meditating on, what I've been thinking about, all of of those kind of things. But today we're going to talk about covenant living because everything that you and I have uh, 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 encounter in our world, the covenant is the backbone that's found in the Bible. It's, It's everything relates back to, connects back to the covenant that God relates with mankind. And so I want to give you a big picture view and then I want to tie in how your behaviors and relationships have to do with, the, with this covenant. Um, when you and I have heard this said before, that when people say, well, how could God allow evil? How could God allow uh, a seven-year-old Arlo to have a mass on his brain? How could God, if God is a good God, how many of you have ever heard anything like this? If God is a good God, how could he allow anything like this to happen? And can I tell you, That God allows you and I to have a free will. And that when you and I see death and disease uh, and depression in our world today, what you're not, what you're actually seeing is the covenant that Adam had with God that Adam chose to break. Because when Adam ate of the tree that was in the garden that he wasn't supposed to eat of, and the, and the knowledge of good and evil swept into the world in that moment, there was a separation between everything that God wanted and then everything that was now allowed. So death and disease is in this world. When you look at death and disease, you're not looking at God's best. You're looking at a violation of a covenant that's been broken. When you see broken-hearted people, that's not the will of God. That was never God's plan, but what you're looking at is that, that God made a covenant with one man, Adam, and Adam broke that covenant, and the result was what we have today. Are you tracking with me? So, so you're not looking at God's failure, you're looking at man's failure. You're looking at one man's failure to, to do the will of God and the trickle-down effect that we have inherited ever since. And so when we look at what our world, uh, we have to recognize that, that, that what we're experiencing is influenced by the, the covenants that were formed with God and kept, and covenants that were formed with God and not kept. And so uh, scholars don't agree, when you look at the Bible, how many biblical covenants there are. Some will say 12, some will say 5, some will say 8, some just are in love with the number 7, and so they say, well, it's got to be 7. 7. But they they all disagree. But I'm gonna I'm gonna list off several of them uh, to you here. Uh, and all of these have the first name of the person that God made the covenant with. The first one is the uh, uh, Adamic covenant. Uh, the co- this uh, covenant language is found in the eating of the tree of the good and evil. It doesn't say God says, I'm going to make a covenant with Adam, but he used the same language. If you'll eat of this tree, you'll live. If you eat of this tree, you'll die. And so it's life or death, you know, is found in the reality of the covenant. Then there's the no, the covenant made with Noah. I can't pronounce it very well. Noaic. Maybe Maybe that's Boy, that's the best I've ever done it. Just done. No egg. And it was God's covenant with Noah. You remember God's covenant with Noah? What do we have in the world that reminds us that God said, I will never again flood the world. It's a rainbow right so when we look at that rainbow God said after the flood I will never again flood the whole earth and destroy mankind and so there's this covenant with a God with a man named uh, Noah that God made and that's what we have and, and I've listed the scriptures there for you the mosaic covenant this is the covenant with Moses found in Exodus chapter 19 verse tw- uh, or chapter 19 through chapter 24 and also the book of Deuteronomy the entire book of Deuteronomy has to do with the With the covenant that God made with the people of Israel uh, that was distributed through Moses. Then there's the Davidic covenant found in 2 Samuel chapter 7. God said he's going to do things. He said there's going to be somebody from David from your family line is going to be ruling and reigning uh, forever and ever. And we know that the fulfillment of that is in Jesus. And so in the new covenant, all the other covenants, particularly the Davidic covenant, are fulfilled in the new covenant of Jesus. And then lastly, the new covenant that we celebrated this morning. As we, as we partook of the Lord's table, found in, uh, in uh, Luke twenty two twenty 20, and 1 Corinthians 11. Now, the reason that I, I bring up uh, covenant language, and, and the reason why uh, you need to understand the difference between a covenant and a contract, while both are agreements, a covenant changes the nature of the people who are involved. A contract doesn't. A covenant changes the nature and is morally binding, not just legally binding. So when we use covenant language, we're using language that you can't come back from. Does that make sense? Holly and I were married in that building right over there on May the 27th, 1989. Some of you were at my wedding. I remember you 33 years ago. And Pastor Scott led us in our vows. And in those vows, there were phrases like, for better, for for richer, for in sickness and in to love and to till death do us. That's not legal. That's covenant. You see, when Holly and I came together... On that day, Ken Kramer as a single man died. Holly Smith as a single woman died. And the two of us celebrated under one covenant that Jesus is alive. Because he is that third strand of the cord that is not easily broken, and three of us come together, right? And so when I fail to be the best husband Holly needs, she can look to Jesus and he fills in the gaps. And when she fails to be the best wife for Ken Kramer, Jesus fills in the gaps. There's there's a covenant agreement that we don't sit around. And the reason I'm bringing this up again today is because last week when Holly was praying and she got up and she said, don't keep score. That's what people came back to us and said, thank you for saying don't keep score in your marriage. Scorekeeping violates the covenant. Scorekeeping is outside of the covenant. Scorekeeping is contract. But covenant is, we both died that day. How do we walk this walk Together and find his way together. Right? And uh, so, it, I want you to understand the reality of how this works. These are, they, both words start with C, but they are far different. Contract is death, dealing for life. Covenant uh, causes life to come forth. Um, let, me, uh, let me talk to you about why we have to have a, a new covenant and why it was established. Why was a new covenant necessary? This is in your notes. Um, how many of you have ever heard of the Romans road when you're trying to lead somebody to Jesus? Uh, this it's an old uh, evangelism phrase Uh, it's not actually a road in Rome Uh, but uh, the Romans road has to do with the several scriptures that are found in the book of Romans that explain logically for a person rationally how do I what, what you know how do I know I need Jesus why do I need Jesus at all And who's this Jesus 2,000 years away and a half a world away? Why do I need him in my life? And so the Romans road kind of takes us through that. So I'm going to hit you step by step through this. First of all, the problem of sin. This is in your uh, written notes. If you want to fill in a blank nearby and get that sense of, ah, I did it today. I filled in my notes the problem of sin. What shall we conclude then? Are we any better? Paul's talking about Jews versus Gentiles. Not at all. We have already made the charge that Jews and Gentiles alike are all under sin. As it is written, there is no one righteous, not even one. There is no one who understands, no one who seeks God. All have turned away. They have become worthless. There is no one who does good, not even one. Romans 3.23 says, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. This is the human condition. Why do we need a human condition? Because, or Why do we need a new covenant? Because the human condition is flawed. There's a, the problem of sin. Well, Pastor Ken, I don't sin. You just did. <laughs> right? Uh, the moment we say we have no sin, we violate the word of God that says we do. The, the moment we say my sin is not as bad as your sin... That's telling me that your spiritual pride has gotten in the way of your eyesight. And you don't see clearly anymore. This is the problem of sin. Not sins, but sin, right? Uh, Secondly, the punishment for sin is that the wages of sin is death. This is a second part in the Romans road. The wages of sin is death. Sin causes death. Sin is death dealing to any situation, to any circumstance. Sin will require a payment. The wages of sin is death, and uh, step three is the propitiation. That's a fancy word for atonement. The atonement for sin, but God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us, you know? The wages of sin is death, but Romans 6.23 says the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. Uh, Step four is the proclamation of freedom. Here's your proclamation. This is how you begin to enter into the covenant. This is how you, you shift over from pointing at what's wrong and really gleaning what is right in God. If you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it's with your mouth that you confess and are saved. Romans 10, 13, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. What is God's answer to the problems in this world? His covenant with his son. Let me just remind you that in the Old Testament, God never made a covenant with people. He made a covenant with an individual and the people were blessed as a result of the covenant. Sometimes I hear believers say mistakenly, well, I have a covenant with God. Let me just point out, you don't have a covenant with God. Jesus has a covenant with God and you believe on Jesus who has a covenant with God. Why is that a big deal? Because if you had a covenant with God, you'd already violated it. Just like in the law. The law was all about works. We don't put our faith in what we do right. We put our faith in what Jesus did right on our behalf. That's where righteousness comes from. That's why, that's why you and I have to call on the name of the one who did it perfectly because we are imperfect human beings. We cannot do it right. But Jesus did it right. So therefore, the Bible says he is our righteousness. He has become to us righteousness. Our, our righteousness, has, uh, his righteousness has been credited to our favor right and so here we have the promise of eternal life therefore since we have been justified through faith we have peace with god through our lord jesus christ romans 8:1 says therefore there is now no condemnation for those who are in christ jesus what uh, what preston said earlier what randy was talking about is that god doesn't remember your sins anymore why because of jesus god doesn't remember what you did this morning it's under the blood of Jesus. God doesn't remember what you did last night. It's under the blood of Jesus. Oh, Pastor Ken, that sounds too easy. Well, it cost Jesus his life. The only thing you and I can bring to the table is our thanksgiving. Is our humility. God, I can't do it without you. It's only through the blood of Jesus. It's only through the life of God. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. That's the covenant right there. That's the covenant. Nothing can separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. Nothing, whether, it's, whether it was in heaven or on earth, whether it, was, whether it was times past, future, nothing can separate us from the love of God. That is the covenant that we have uh, available to us in Christ. Can we just take a minute and thank God? Can we just do that. Just close your eyes right now, Lord. I thank you for the covenant that I have with you. I thank you, Lord God, that it's so much farther, broader, deeper. Lord, it goes goes to places that I didn't even dream that I that it needed to go. But I I'm so thankful that you made it available to me. I'm so thankful, Lord God, that I'm, I'm not waiting for the fine print to trip up and 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 cause condemnation to come back into my soul. Thank you, Holy Spirit, that you have made the Word of God available to us today. Thank Thank you, Holy Spirit, that you have imputed righteousness to people who are unrighteous, to people who couldn't do it, who, to, to people who had uh, too much going against us. And you cleansed us and you washed us. Come on, I want you to feel that forgiveness today. I want you to feel that forgiveness. Jesus rolled the stone away that was against you. He took away all of your sin. He took away all of your shame. Hallelujah. Now let me read to you from Hebrews chapter 8. And then I'll show you why I'm walking around with an umbrella today. (laughs) Hebrews chapter 8 verse 7. For if there had been nothing wrong with that first covenant, no place would have been sought for another. But God found fault with the people and said, The time is coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah. It will not be like the covenant I made with their forefathers when I took them by the hand to lead them out of Egypt. Because they did not remain faithful to my covenant and turned away from them, declares the Lord. This is the covenant I will make with the house of Israel after that time, declares the Lord. I will put my laws in their minds and write them on their hearts. I will be their God, and they will be my people. No longer will a man teach his neighbor or a man his brother, saying, Know the Lord, because they will all know me from the least of them to the greatest. For I will forgive their wickedness and will remember their sins no more. By calling this covenant new, he has made the first one obsolete. And what is obsolete and aging will soon disappear. Notice here uh, several things in this passage that have to do with new covenant living. Notice, first of all, uh, that the people weren't re- able to remain faithful to the covenant, that the fault was found in the people. There was nothing wrong that God wanted to make a covenant with, pe- with the people. The, the problem was we, we continually will fall short That God's covenant was a good covenant, but we couldn't uphold on our end. There was a problem of our flesh. The problem is that we have a bent toward doing the wrong thing. We have a bent toward going in the wrong direction. If you don't know if you have a bent or not toward that, just ask your spouse. They'll tell you. So so today, it's fitting for us to, to talk about this on a day that is Pentecost Sunday. Because without the advocate, without the person of the Holy Spirit, without the counselor taking the word of God and putting it on the inside of you, the Bible is a dead book. The Bible uh, is, is no, no better than any other book with any other paper. The, only, the, the reality of the Bible is that God took and he breathed the breath of life. He inspired those who write it wrote it. The The power of the Holy Spirit came upon those who were writing the Bible and, and God's Spirit is infused in the Word of God. And so when you and I open the Word of God and we go, we inhale that, that Word off that page, Holy Spirit takes that Word and He writes it on the inside of our heart. This is a benefit of the New Covenant. This is what the Old Testament believers didn't have. They didn't have it. We have their words now that are anointed by the Holy Spirit and that Word gets on the inside of us and causes us to change. How many of you have ever uh, been in an on-the-job training situation and you knew how some complex thing was going and you said, man, if I could just take my brain and give it to that person? You know, if I could just take what I know and, and, and give them the download, they would have it. Let, let me tell you, the download of heaven is the person of the Holy Spirit who takes the Word of God and writes it on the inside of you. How many of you have ever, uh, you know, in your walk with God, you changed, something shifted in your life and, and you were walking it and all of a sudden one day you read the scripture and you said, man, I've been doing that. Like, I've been doing that. I didn't know that was a thing. I didn't know that was written down. What what is that? That's the person of the Holy Spirit writing uh, his word on the inside of you. So the first thing you need to recognize is that covenant living begins on the inside, but then it shows up on the outside. Now, the problem with a a lot of us as believers is that, you know, we we do what the word says. The Bible says in, in Samuel that man looks on the outward appearance, but God looks at the right? And, and so, as Christians, sometimes we live in, in non-covenant ways. Now, I'm going uh, I'm, I'm to bring this uh, umbrella out here, and I'm going to talk to you a little bit about where part of this idea came from. So, in the 8 o'clock service this morning, Donna Mills was here, and, uh, and Mike and Donna uh, have been part of our executive leadership team for a long time. They're taking a little bit of a sabbatical right now, but they've been with us in that role probably for over 10 years, something like that. And, uh, and in their personal story, They tell a story about how they met and how that they were at uh, the campus of JMU and it started raining one day and Mike had an umbrella and Donna didn't. And so he walked over across the commons and he, he offered her a place under his umbrella and the two of them walked in the rain together, and out of that comes this relationship with Mike and Donna, and, uh, and, you know, out of that, and, and so they use, as their kids have grown up and gotten married, they, they bring the umbrella story, and they say, this is how we got together. We, we, you know, she was right here under my arm, and, and this, this umbrella was over top of her, and we walked together, and, and it's just a powerful, I believe, a symbolic, and probably a prophetic picture, isn't it? For how we do covenant together, how this works together. I want you to look at this umbrella today as a covenant that Jesus provides for us in God. I want you to see this as an open heaven, that wherever you go and you walk in the covenant, you can expect that the blessing of the Lord will flow over into your life, not because you're a good person, but because Jesus has provided a covenant for you. That you are covered. You are covered by his covenant. You are covered by the work that God has already done. It is finished, said Jesus. It is finished on the cross. You can't add anything to it. It's just amazing. It's just beautiful. And and so when you and I learn to live according to the covenant, when you and I learn to live in and appreciate what it is that God has done, then we, we hug the covenant close. We say, man, I, I want to stay very close to this thing. I don't want to do it my own way. Can I just tell you couples that I've married through the years that understand this, that understand marriage is a covenant and not a contract, they do so much better. I, didn't say, I don't say they're better people, but there's more joy. There's more peace. There's, their, their marriage is, their relationship is sustainable because one isn't pulling against the other. I'm not going to do some umbrella dance up here, but you get the point. One is, one is, one is saying, I'm a better person than you do. One said, I got a better idea than you. They're, they're not in the a, in a mode where they're, they're, they're going contractual. Well, let me make my list of all the things that you're doing wrong. And then you can make all the list of all things that I'm doing wrong. No, that's not the way uh, covenant works. Covenant works is we show up at the altar and we say, I died. And so did you. And so did Jesus. So that we could be one. So that we could be one. So that we could move together. So that we could be a new creature in Christ Jesus. So that we could have new covenant, uh, new creation experiences. So uh, so the first thing is that you understand that it begins on the inside and then it shows up on the outside. People that have understood what it means to walk with God, gotten through some, uh, some setbacks in their own personal life as a single person, they got to the place where they're like, you know what, I've, I, I have fallen, I have screwed up, but Jesus picked me up and I, I can talk about that now. I'm on the other side of that. And, and the more you learn to do that as a believer, the more, the more you learn to not let the devil beat you up with condemnation. You will, it's not that you'll, when you become a Christian that you'll, never, uh, that you'll never sin again. It means you're never going to be condemned for your sins. So get right back up, would you? Get up quickly. Don't wait. Don't, don't wait a day. Don't wait 10 minutes. Don't wait 10 seconds. Jesus, I blew it. Thank God. Thank God that I'm covered. Get right back up. And at first, the devil's going to say, oh, you're just one of them greasy, grace Christians. You think that God just forgot about it? If God is anybody, he's true to his word. And if he said, I will forgive their sins and I will remember their sins no more, he said it, he meant it, you walk in that. You walk in that, right? So it begins on the inside, then it shows up on the outside. Covenant living causes us to relate to God as sons and friends, not slaves or outcasts, right? God doesn't have second-class citizen Christians. God doesn't have stepchildren. God doesn't have grandchildren. He only has what? Children. He only has uh, sons and daughters. Now, biblically in Romans, he says he only has sons. And here's the reason that God does that, and it's not a gender thing, it's that the sons got the full inheritance. So it didn't matter. So, so when he talks about sons in the, we are all sons of God in Christ Jesus, he's saying you've got the full inheritance of the highest thing. So it's not, don't, don't get hung up in the gender language of the New Testament. It's not, it's, it's not there to, to, to hang you up. God wants us, you to understand that you have a, a righteous standing and you have the top standing that he could provide for you, right? And so we're not, we're not foreigners. So church, we can't ever be a people... That, that filter people out. I, I love this Max Lucado line. He said, Jesus is the door, but we're the screen door. What's he saying? He's saying we use worldly filters a lot of times to keep people out of the kingdom. We don't like the look of them. We don't like how they sound or they smell. We don't like their personality. We don't like their political persuasion. We don't like, we don't, guess what? Covenant doesn't allow you to live that way. Covenant doesn't allow you to make those judgment calls. It's not you, it's not for you to do right? This is the reality. The reality is that if I want covenant, then I need to be a a person who's an ambassador of that covenant that says, whosoever will come. I'm so glad somebody included me in that. I'm so glad somebody came along, not because I was the best looking or the smartest or or anything going for me. They, They thought me worthy of the gospel. And so they shared it with me. And now I'm a son. And hopefully all of you are too. But that's how we get here is through the covenant, right? Let's uh, go on into our notes. And uh, don't worry if I haven't stepped on your toes yet. I will momentarily. Covenant living results in a new heart, mind, and behaviors. It requires us to think differently. Um, the best example that I can have of this is as a husband, it, 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 doesn't, it, wasn't, like a, it wasn't like automatic. It wasn't a switch. When, I, when Holly and I got married, May 27, 1989, I didn't know how to be married because I'd never been married, right? And so I made all these mistakes that early husbands do. We we make these assumptions about what our wives are going to want because we want them. We we make these the you know, we we don't probably all eyes this way. <laughs> I'm starting to see it. All eyes this way. Okay. <laughs> we, we the two become one but they, they don't talk to one another the way they ought to. You know, I, I don't like have to communicate to myself and say, okay, Ken, you're a single guy. What do you want to do today? Let's have a board meeting. You just go out and do it. You don't talk about it. You just do it. You, you think, you just go do it. You don't think about it. But no thought? You just, whatever. Yeah, whatever. Okay, that's where I'm going. You know, and, and nowhere is this, uh, uh, does this play out where, you know, okay, it's date night. Where do you want to go to eat, right? Where do you want to go to eat? Nobody ever really says what they mean. I don't know. What do you want to know? I want to, th- I want to know what you think. Okay, let's go there. No. Well, didn't you just say we could go wherever you wanted? Wherever I wanted, you said we could go. No. Oh, so, so you're not saying what you mean. Oh, oh, do you, you know, you know, what I'm tracking with so, so guys are, you know, we don't, we, we, we're not used to being married. And so we don't really understand how this whole arrangement is supposed to work. Right. And, and women wish that we were intuitive enough to just know, why don't they just know what I want? Why don't they just, huh? I want them to, I want them to want to know. Woo. See the dilemma. Jesus said, and this is covenant language. Jesus said, let your yes be yes, and your no be no. The best representation of covenant language in the New Testament that you're going to find in the Bible is the Sermon on the Mount. Blessed are. And go look through all the Beatitudes. Look at what covenant looks like. And here's the reality in, in a lot of times in marriages, we miss covenant because we say yes, but we don't really mean yes. We, we say Chick-fil-A, but we don't really mean Chick-fil-A. How can you not always mean Chick-fil-A, Pastor Ken? That's God's chicken. How can you, okay. We, you know, we, we say Arby's, but we really mean Mexican. You know, we, we, there's, there's something, and so what I do in premarital counseling is I say, okay, come here, and we're going to sit, and I'm going to sit in my office, and I'm going to blow up every time bomb that is in your relationship before you ever have a chance. I'm going to, what am I going to do? I'm going to pull out all the unmet expectations. And this is why Jesus said, let your yes be yes and your no be no, because underneath somebody's qualified yes is an unmet expectation. I'm just waiting for you to screw up so that I can point the finger at you and say, you're not the person that you're supposed to be. You don't measure up to my, to my requirements. When we got married, you were supposed to be the person that always met my needs, but you know what? I can point to several places that you don't. Let your yes Really mean yes. When I stand before a person and I say, you know, here's here's the language. Here's the language, right? In sickness and in health. To love and to cherish. Till death do us part. This is the language. I'm all in. I'm not pulling my punches. I'm not pulling anything back. I'm all in. I've moved it all the chips to the middle of the table. And this is all we've got. So we better figure out how to work it out, right? Which is where the second part of this comes in, forgiveness. That's why last week when Holly was up here, was talking about don't keep score. The minute, the minute that I choose not to forgive, you know what I do with the covenant? Right here. This is, this is why the writer of Hebrews says it something like this. He says, he says uh, if, if you continue to sin, you need to realize that there is no other sacrifice available for you. That when you sin, you're trampling underfoot the blood of Jesus, the innocent one. Very grave sounding. I mean, this is visceral language, right? And what he's saying is, there's nothing more God can do for you. If you continue to sin and you choose to sin, there isn't anything else God can do. He doesn't have a second son that he can send down. Well, what Jesus did wasn't enough. He's just going to have to send somebody out. No, he said there's nothing more. He bankrupt heaven already once for you. He made everything available for you. And if you want to live outside the covenant, you are on your own. Here's, here's the problem when it comes to, we, we always want forgiveness from God. We don't always want to offer it to another human being. But let me tell you what the problem is with that as it relates to covenant. If God doesn't remember your sin, the only thing still in store for you, he's not, he's not talking about your sin. You, you, if you had a conversation with God, God, do you remember what I did last night? No. Didn't, didn't you put it under the blood this morning? Yeah. Well, I don't remember it anymore then. I don't remember. It's part of the covenant. It's just wrapped up in what my son has already done on your behalf. Well, God, what can we talk about then? Because most Christians, most Christians, it's please forgive me of my sin. Get up from where they are and then go find themselves bound in sin somewhere else 20 minutes later. It's this, it's this repetitive motion. And once they get off that repetitive motion, they don't know. What God wants to do is he wants to form his son on the inside of you. He wants you to go forth with victory. He wants you to go forth and take new ground. He wants you to go into new places and share Jesus with people that don't know him. There is no excuse for you to hang back and just and, and do the, the two-step with sin. Back and forth, back and forth. But It's already been forgiven. Get on the other side of that. And go on and be the person that God wants you to be. uh, You know, one preacher said years ago, he said, before you come to Jesus, everything that happens in your life is designed by God to bring you to Jesus. After you come to Jesus, everything that happens in your life is designed by God to form Jesus in you. To form him in you. And so as you and I walk out this covenant... We have to realize that the greater thing, the greater one is on the inside of us. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world, right? And that God has, has taken us, Ephesians, this is Ephesians 2, has taken us from being objects of wrath to being his workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works. So within the covenant, there are good works that God has already prepared for you and I, that as we walk out those good works, that our reward in heaven increases. When somewhere along the line, I do something to somebody or they do something to me that binds me to some moment in the past, I become a traitor of the covenant to the covenant. I become a partner with Lucifer himself. I have chosen not to be the person that God says I am and and that I'm walking in the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus and moving into uh, who God wants me to be. I've chosen to drive a stake in the ground that is somewhere in my past. Now I'm a debtor. Now I'm a trespasser. Now I'm somebody that's bound to a date somewhere in the past and God can't bring me into the future that he has for me. And if you and I do that with people in our lives, if we won't forgive them, if we, we're we're binding them to a, to a bad decision, we're binding them to a moment in time and they can't be free to be the person that God wants them to be. This is why, this is why forgiveness is so, so critical for us. It's why we, we've got to be people that walk this covenant out. Because if we don't, they, they can't walk into the fullness of what it is that God has for them. Does that make sense? Are you tracking with me on that? Uh, covenant living places demands on our entire being, not just what people see. And forgiveness has to be offered because we are freely Forgiven. When I have aught against my, in, in my heart against somebody, in, in, in that moment, I'm not thinking about how much Jesus has forgiven me. I'm not thinking about how thankful I am that I have a God that I can call on and pray to. I'm not thinking about, I'm only thinking about what that person has done and how it's wrong and I've been wronged and, and, and who am I in that moment? I am a victim. God has no victims. In his family. He has overcomers in Christ Jesus. I've had so many situations. That pop up in people's lives. And they'll say. Oh it's terrible. I'm like yeah. But I've talked to a half dozen people. That had it way worse than you. And I know that sounds unfeeling. And it sounds unkind. But but when it comes to our own soul. There is nobody that's had it as bad as me. And you can. Build an identity around that, or you can choose to be an overcomer by the blood of the lamb and the word of your testimony. Because let me tell you, if you're going to talk about being a victim, everybody's going to get bored with that after a while. Wait, 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 wait. I've heard that story. Is that your only story? Is that all you got? How bad you got it? Let's go talk to some other people. See how bad they got it. We could have a really good pity party. Or we could say, let's let's write a new story. Let's mix God into your story. Let's get a covenant and let's get God into your story. And let's see who it is that Jesus wants you to be as an overcomer. All creation is waiting for the sons of God to be revealed. And if you and I will let go of the past, if we will let go of the people that have hindered us in our past, then we could go on, and so could they, into the fullness of what it is that God has for them, because this is the covenant that we have. We have been given all of this inheritance in the Lord. We're going to go to the altar and prayer and worship this morning. This has got to be, if I can have the musicians come, this has got to be in our lives. This has got to be the greatest challenge for us to walk out this covenant that God has. But if you will recognize that, uh, that God has set you free so that you could be thankful for him. So that you could be thankful for what he has done. Most times in our lives, we find ourselves in, in situations where we want more of something, and we have we haven't paused long enough to be thankful for what we already have. This this is not a th- this is not Thanksgiving service message just before. No, this is let me let me let me clarify it for you. You know the Bible says in, in Timothy, flee youthful lusts. Now, in in our world, particularly in America, lust is is sexual always in connotation. But a lust is an, is a, a a human desire that goes beyond righteous, right? It's a human desire. So I can lust for power. I can lust for money. I can we call that greed. I can I can lust for uh, you know accolades, whatever the case may be, and uh, in in. You know, uh, psychologists, sociologists, psychologists will tell you that lust is the lowest form of emotion because it's a black hole that sucks everything into itself. Because the more you give it, the more it wants. The more you give it, the more it wants. The more you give it, the more it wants. And it's never, ever, ever satisfied. Um, Gratefulness, on the other hand, is the highest form of emotion. So that when I just take time and say... Thankful that the lungs are clear today. Thankful that all the digits are still attached. It's a nice atmosphere in here today, isn't it? The the I, I, I'm I'm in a free country. I'm in a room that's air conditioned. I'm thankful, and you just begin to get excited about how thankful you are. You know what happens? You know, suddenly your mind is not on the things that you don't have. It's celebrating what you do have, and and your and your spirit man gets elevated. That the covenant gets wrapped around that. When I, whenever I start uh, thinking, you know, uh, in, in You know, this this happens in our world. The enemy will try to tempt you and say, well, you could trade this in for another one. I've traded a lot of cars, traded a lot of houses, traded a lot of motorcycles. Got only one woman. Ain't trading her in for nothing. Right? We've ruined each other. That's what covenant does. We've ruined each other we say it to each other a lot of times I would never want to start over I would never want to start over with somebody else no way you go I go we're hoping we both go up in the rapture I don't want to live a day without her why? that's covenant My, my life doesn't make sense without Jesus and it doesn't make sense without Holly it just won't why? covenant covenant how do you maintain it? thankfulness. Gratefulness. Taking time to just thank God. Every day, my wife will hear me say, I'll give her a big hug. I'll say, honey, I thank God for you. I thank God for what we get to do. I thank God for the life that we have together. What do you want to do today? Thankfulness, right? It's in the covenant.